0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
1: Hello, Tech fans, and welcome into the latest episode of the Tech Sideline podcast as we record on Monday, November 22nd, 2021, at 10 30 in the morning. Today, we'll review Virginia Tech's loss to Miami. We'll talk about the Virginia Tech football coaching search. And we'll bring you up to speed on the Virginia Tech men's basketball the week ahead and what's uh, just happened. It's all coming up right now on the Tech Sideline podcast. Welcome back in to episode 210 of the Tech Sideline podcast. I'm your host for today, Will Stewart, Tech Sideline's founder, general manager, and owner. It's Thanksgiving week, so I'm filling in for Jake, who has run off to Nashville once again. We'll have to ask him why he's always going to Nashville.
0: <laughs> he's a big Titans fan, apparently.
1: So we welcome you, whether you're watching live on YouTube or watching or listening archived on YouTube, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or you're playing video games in your bedroom while your elderly mother yells at you from the living room, telling you all the brilliant things we are saying, we're glad you're with us. See, I had to pause there. Did you get the little Will Ferrell uh, wedding crasher reference? Got I all got right. you. So speaking of Will Ferrell, <laughs> if you're watching on YouTube and the words of Will Ferrell, stop what you're doing and listen. Click like and subscribe right now. I'll wait. Okay, thank you. To my left, as always, is Chris Coleman, our lead analyst and columnist. And across the way in the chair I usually occupy, we've got uh, Nick Brown, who usually sits in the fourth chair on Mondays. But we drafted him to uh, fill out the chairs here on the set. As always, producing, we have my progeny, Malcolm Stewart. (laughs) And once again, a reminder, the Tech Sideline podcast is sponsored by the Southeast Regional Training Center. Always remember and never forget, the SERTC relies on your donations. To fund their operations and Virginia Tech Wrestling relies on the SERTC. So visit southeastrtc.com for more details. So, as always, when I host, I just read the entire opening script. One day when I grow up, I want to be like Jake Lyman or Evan Hughes, but I'm just not there yet. So, I got to read. So, everybody, welcome in. Uh, let's get started. So, Chris,
0: how was your weekend? Oh, it was pretty uneventful.
1: <laughs> pretty well, uneventful. Uh,
0: spent most of it working, actually. Uh, working on a coaching column and watched the football game Saturday night and then spent most of the day yesterday and even into the night working on the coaching column with a break to go to the Virginia Tech basketball game. I thought you were going to say a, a break to go to the bathroom. No, no none of those. Just no. just to go to you the You got your bleacher game. buddy there, you wouldn't even yeah, go to the right, bathroom. exactly. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, so I'm almost done with it with part one. We got one more coach to do, and it should be posted later this afternoon. Uh, Assuming you're willing to edit an uh, an eight eight, thousand word article. Everybody remember that
1: uh, we're we're on a three day week. Chris, we kind of always are. We're generally done with the bulk of uh, I am anyway with the bulk of our content by like the end of the day Wednesday, but. You know, basically Sunday through Wednesday is, is a lot of work for me and Chris. So let's pimp that a little bit. Uh, tell everybody what you're working on.
0: Uh, part one of the coaching search article. It's I just look at eight head coaching okay. prospects. Can you give Virginia me the list Tech. of all eight
1: off the top of your head?
0: No. Well, I can try. Matt Campbell, Jamie Chadwell, uh, Dave man. Clawson, uh, Charles Huff, Bill O'Brien, Dan Mullen, are you doing Tom Herman? Uh, I'm doing Tom Herman. Sweet. And, and Dan Mullen's been added to the he, list. Yes, he's been added to the list. And why I, I can't remember. There's one more. Billy Napier.
1: Billy Napier. Yeah, right, right. So out.
0: so that that's part one. Um, so I've pretty much finished all of them except for O'Brien at this point. Uh, and then tomorrow, hopefully, I'll have a much shorter article, part two, on candidates with who could be candidates for the Virginia Tech job who have no previous head coaching experience? Right, so part guys. part one are guys with previous head coaching experience. Right. Part two is going to be like guys with no head coaching experience. It'll be much shorter because, quite frankly, I don't think for you don't Witt, think it's going to get to that. No, uh, Witt, but Witt greatly prefers to hire candidates with head coaching experience, and plus there, there, there's not as much information on guys with no head coaching experience anyway. So those are that article is going to be a smaller pool of candidates and. With less information, it's going to be a shorter article. So I can finish that up in a day. But uh, the big one is going to be this afternoon's, which will probably be in the 7,500 to 8,000-word range. So have fun editing that. <laughs> and, uh, and so then we'll run the, the article on, on you know, non-head coaches tomorrow. And then on Wednesday, we'll do our poll like we did in 2015, like vote on your top three candidates for the Virginia Tech head coaching job.
1: So I, I texted Witt, and I said, listen, Wit, we got some stuff we're working on. Don't hire anybody yeah. before, before we have a chance to run anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I heard him say to Pete Morris, Pete, we have to wait on that press release mm-hmm. because Tech has got to get their stuff. Done.
0: Well, right, no, I will talk. Let's go ahead and talk about the timing. Right. Right. While that kind of segues into that. Yeah. Um, think about some of the candidates that may be on Witt's list. We, we don't know for a fact who's on his list. Right. But... Let me jump in here and say, you
1: know, anytime in a situation like this, we start getting
0: texts and DMs and things like that. What are you hearing? What are you hearing? We're not hearing, hearing anything. Yet. Well, we're hearing things. But as we know in a coaching search, like we've done this enough times now, whether it's football or men's basketball. I mean, Ryan Odom was going to be Virginia Tech's head coach right up until Mike Young was Virginia Tech's next head coach. Right. right? Yeah. So, I, they just don't worry too much about it. Yeah, pay attention to it, but don't believe every little thing you hear. Yeah. Now, as far as the timing of it goes, um, obviously you would like to announce somebody as quickly as possible, but some of the names that are getting thrown around, now let's say there is credence to the Billy Napier, Charles Huff, uh, Dave Clawson. You know, let's say there's credence to all those rumors. And it's quite possible that all three of those guys will be coaching on a, in a conference championship game on December 3rd. I don't think they're going to want any sort of an announcement to be made if any of them were changing jobs before that date. I, th- mm-hmm. I think they would want to coach their team through that conference championship game and then have an announcement the next week. Yeah, so you're right. talking around December 4th, December 5th, December 6th time. Yeah, range. That, 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 um, that Saturday, that, that, is that, December 4th. That, that was Clausen's uh, prerequisite for taking the Wake job back in 2014. Like He had Ball and Green in the MAC championship game. Uh, so he went to the MAC championship game, won that game. And then got announced a couple of days later as is, right. is the Wake Forest coach, I believe yeah. is how it worked. So, uh, and there's no reason to, there's no reason, I don't think that's going to have an effect on, on the hiring. Like, if you think the right guy is going to be coaching on December 3rd and he doesn't want to make an announcement until December 5th, then by God, you wait yeah. because you're talking about the next five, ten years of your program, I mean, this is, you know, it's an extremely important hire not just for the football program but for the entire athletic department. You don't jeopardize that hire just because you say, oh, we have to have a guy hired on November 28th. No, yeah. no, you wait until December 4th if, if that's what your guy is. Wants to do. It's going
1: to be interesting because, in a way, it's going to narrow the pool. If you don't hear anything in the week after the EVA game, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I think it's 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 reasonable to think to yourself, oh, so it's a guy who's right. still coaching this yeah, coming week, exactly. And it gets it gets really complicated in the case of Luke Fickle. Now, is Fickle one of the guys you're doing?
0: No, I don't think he's a candidate at all. Okay. I don't think there's there's two reasons for that. Number one, I think he's one of the very few guys who can have any job he wanted. I think he could call up Florida tomorrow and say I want your job and they would hire him. I think he could call up USC or LSU and say I want your job and they would hire him. Um, I also think if none of those jobs suit him, if he would rather have one day maybe the Notre Dame job or the Ohio State job or something like that, you know, Cincinnati's getting into the Big Twelve and they got a chance to boss that conference and and also the timing, like he, he, they might be in the playoffs this year, right? And he's not. I mean, this. He's going to want to coach them in the playoffs. That's why Mm. I
1: brought him up, because it's particularly awkward. He would not go anywhere until
0: January, in my opinion. So that throws the timing off sort of for everybody. Like LSU, maybe they don't want to wait until January. So they take Fickle off their list, and they jump down to their next pool of candidates. And that that hole has a domino effect uh, on everybody else to a certain extent. Um, So I don't think he's a legitimate candidate, because he can have any job he wants. Uh, We've also heard that it's basically a requirement for him and his wife for, for their kids to attend a really, really, really good private Catholic school.
2: Right. And the closest one's Roanoke Catholic, and right. that's right. As, far as close what, enough.
0: <laughs> right, as far as what he considers a really, really good private Catholic school.
1: Now, that school. said, there are people that travel from the New River Valley to Roanoke They, they bust them, them from here. here. Right, yeah. right.
0: I mean, so it's, it's not out of the realm of possibility, but I just don't think that's a realistic option. So... He's not one of the guys no, I'm list. looking at. Plus, I think everybody knows, like, like Fickle's at the top of everybody's list. And it would be an absolute coup if Virginia Tech was able to pull that, but I don't think that's a real thing. And
1: put yourself in Fickle's place. If they make the playoff, if Cincinnati makes the playoff,
0: then do you really need to go anywhere else? Was, you when, know? When, you you're, when, when, when you're you moving to the Big 12. Yeah. You know? Yeah, uh, yeah like... At that point, you have the luxury of waiting for the exact right job. Like even if LSU offered you the job and you did a complete study of their athletic department and you're like, you know what? I really don't think I want to work for that athletic director or "Or there's some things in their athletic department I don't like. Then you can hold out and wait for – so, you so can hold out and wait when Nick Saban retires in two years, right? He's 70 years old. He's not going to be around that much longer. Or whatever goes on at Ohio State. I mean, sure. Ryan
1: Day is doing great. He doesn't look like he's going to get fired or anything. Right of course, he he's young, like too. Right.
0: So Fickle was
1: the interim coach. At, help helped refresh my memory. He was the interim coach at Ohio State for a while, right? After uh, We'll have to look that up. Yeah, why don't um, you look that up for us? I, I, th- think, I think he was. I yes. think it was after Urban Meyer I think one you're One of right. the times that he retired or whatever, I think that Fickle uh, was the interim coach there. So we haven't even said hi to Nick yet. Hey. <laughs> hey, hey you looking that up, Nick?
2: Yeah, I'm looking at it right now.
1: So, Nick, uh, I, I'm, I'm embarrassed I don't know the answer to this. So those of you that don't know, Nick does play-by-play for Radford High School football. Uh, did they win Friday night? or?
2: Uh, so I got back at 2 in the morning that day, or on Saturday night, and uh, no, we lost 56-28 to yeah. the – Appomattox Raiders—they've won five of the last six two A yeah. state championships. So they
1: do they does Appomattox have like one of the upper limits of enrollment at the
0: two A level as one well kind of,
2: but they also just have freak athletes. And Coach Doug Smith is arguably one of the best coaches in yeah. the state of Virginia. I played
0: against Appomattox in high school. They're a real physical team. Where yeah. are they located? Close to Lynchburg. Yeah. I mean, okay. It's yeah.
2: right past Lynchburg. You, you kinda drive kind of east of Lynchburg, right through Liberty, yeah. and then it's yeah. right there. But the game got delayed to eight o'clock because the team and us got stuck in traffic on the way to the game. I mean, Liberty and Tech are releasing their students for a break. Eighty-one huh. was just a mess. Four-sixty was a mess, and then uh, so that got pushed back to eight, and then it's a two and a half hour drive. Then. Just so, got back to So speaking morning. of Liberty,
1: this is kind of a random comment, but it's just one of the games I surfed through the other day. Uh, they hosted Louisiana. Louisiana is 9 and 1. Yep. They've got Malik Willis. They're 7 and 3. I'm talking about Liberty. Yeah. And did you see the attendance at that game? Oh, there's
0: nobody there, I'm sure. Yeah. Also, yeah. by the way, I think Hugh Freeze is an extremely mediocre football coach. <laughs> uh, he's got a first round pick at quarterback possibly. And they held Louisiana to 295 yards of offense. Yet they lost the game by four touchdowns. It's really hard to lose a game by four touchdowns when you're playing a Sunbelt team and you've got a first-round pick at quarterback and you hold him to 295 yards of offense. Yeah. Louisiana didn't convert a third down the entire first half, and they I'm won by 28. Not, I just, I'm just, i not big on I mean, I, 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 I'm not big on his offense either. I, I don't want him as long as he would, uh, unless he would give up control of his offense. I, I just don't think. That's what you want. I don't think you want Billy Napier controlling Virginia Tech's offense. Well, Davo cut him loose as offensive coordinator exactly. at the Clemson. Yeah, exactly. And their offensive numbers this year are not good. And they're going. They're in the Sun Belt West. I guess we're segueing into Napier now. They're in the. <laughs> they're. They're in the Sun Belt West. And there's no other team in the Sun Belt West with a winning record. The second best team is five and six in the Sun Belt West. He's beating up on the little sisters of the poor and his offense is still only like ranked like 66th in the country, uh, he has control of it. He calls the plays, and he's always been that way. He always wants control of the offense, and I just don't think he's a very good offensive coach, to be perfectly blunt about it. So I don't think that would – the fact that his offenses aren't doing very well against Sunbelt West teams, which are basically – Sunbelt West is like somewhere between FCS and BS. It's FBS. They're like quadruple-A baseball players going up and down from the majors <laughs> to triple-A. Right. You know, right. It, it, but so – I just don't think it would translate to to Virginia Tech, so I'd be very, very hesitant about an apier hire. And you know, I know people. Some people like Hugh Freeze because Liberty beat Virginia Tech. Well, <laughs> Je- Justin Fuente beat Hugh Freeze when Hugh Freeze was at Ole Miss and Fuente was at Memphis. Right? That's
1: uh, one of the games where where Fuente made his mark. I watched I th- I the think game. Ole Miss yeah. was a top ten team yeah. at the time. Yeah. yeah, Yep. 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 Um, all right, so let's let's pump the brakes on that and sure. then talk a little bit about the the game against Miami. Um, this this was this was an interesting game on so many levels. I went into it with with very little in the way of expectations, mm-hmm. and uh, the defense um, in the early going kind of I can't find the right word validated my lack of expectations by essentially not showing up. Mm-hmm. Miami starts off with four touchdowns on four possessions. They go up twenty one three, twenty eight to ten. And then things stabilize, and Virginia Tech makes a nice run in the middle aided by an onside kick. So um, going into the fourth quarter, it's 31-26. And, and even at that point, so much interesting stuff had happened
2: mm-hmm. yeah. that
1: I was thinking to myself, you know, the games against Miami and Virginia Tech, like, like this thing could wind up being an epic game that you talk about. Virginia Tech's made this big comeback 31 26, and
0: and then it just kind of fizzled. And then then a a whole lot of nothing happened in the fourth quarter. Like one play happened, and and that was it. Um, Exactly. I, I, You know, you can sit here, uh, Virginia Tech didn't have a good defensive performance in the back end. There were too many miscommunications in the secondary. like Jermaine it, Waller specifically. Yeah. He got smoked. Uh, I mean, I, mean I, I just don't, well, a couple of those were actually zone coverage plays that mm-hmm. looked like his fault, but they actually weren't. Right, one of them um, was
1: supposedly Jamari Connor's fault. Yeah, yeah.
0: and... Uh, But I mean, not. I'm not saying Waller had a good game because he didn't. But uh, you you know, a lot of people were were focusing in on Dax about why he was covering a slot receiver. Well, he wasn't covering a slot receiver. That was Tampa two coverage, and the safeties were supposed to be back behind him, and there was a safety way out of position. Yeah, there. You know, so. there's he's taken some heat but that was just as usual poor safety play from Virginia Tech with the exception of Tay Daly they've not get, gotten good safety play this year and Tay Daly got ejected for targeting I, early I, in the game i looked at the so,
1: preliminary pff grades and out of the 20 defensive players that were graded uh there there are Four of the bottom five were in the defensive back Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would say And that was, Daly only played eight snaps. Yeah, exactly. Before he exactly. so for targeting.
0: I think that potentially could have been a different game if he hadn't got ejected for targeting because uh, Jenkins came in to replace him. And I don't want to beat this drum again, but Jenkins is one of those guys who just haven't progressed since he enrolled mm-hmm. at Virginia Tech. He mm-hmm. had a dominant football game as a true freshman in his first career start against NC State. He looked great, and he's just gotten worse yeah. since then. Mm-hmm. And... Hopefully that's something that's fixed in the offseason with the new coaching staff. So I don't want to like go deep into that or anything. But So it was partly Virginia Tech. It's also partly Miami because, what is that, five or six in games in a row where Van Dyke is thrown for 300-plus yards? That's five can, can you
1: pull that tweet up, Nick? I actually I actually do not have a – you know the one I'm talking about where he did something that no ACC
2: quarterback has yeah. done in the last it 15 Yeah, it was years. 300 yards five, and three touchdowns in, I think, five, five straight, straight games. games. Yep. Yep. And,
1: and no ACC quarterback in the last 15 years has done that. Yeah. And you think about who's played quarterback in this league in the last 15 like years. Trevor Lawrence never did that? Are you serious? No. Right? Right. That's that's really hard to believe. Um, so so listen to this. I've, I've, I've calculated all this out. Miami had a 75-yard touchdown to Brayshard Smith, a 55-yard touchdown late to mm-hmm. Mike Harley. Uh, Charleston Rambo had a 39-yard catch that set up their first touchdown. Jacoby George had a th- 32-yard catch. And – those four passing plays total 201 yards. Mm-hmm. And Miami's other 67
0: plays totaled 174 <laughs> right. yards, which is 2.6 yards per play. It was just it was really strange. At one point uh when Miami was up 28-10, I looked at my phone to look at the box score, and I think Miami had was averaging 0.3 yards per carry at that point the right. they had like, they, nev- in the game. It's like negative 6 rushing yards. Yeah, something like that. And uh so you're sitting there like how in the world – I mean, if you look at the box score, how in the world is Virginia Tech down by so many points? It, it, it was a bizarro
1: world you know, in a lot of ways. And so Miami wound up with uh, 54 yards rushing on 30 carries, I believe.
0: With most of those coming late. Yeah, you know, like even Tyler out. Van
1: Dyke ran up the middle yeah. and, and, and picked up a bunch of yards. But that's – I know you can't play that game, that those big plays are a part of the game, Yeah. you mm-hmm. know, but – It's it's the one of my favorite lines is other than that, Mrs. Lincoln. How was the play? Yeah, yeah, you know. Well, other than that, the play was pretty good, right? Yeah,
0: exactly. Um, And you 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 can't sit here and say oh, it was just kind of freaky that they hit some big plays on us. It's not freaky when that's what Miami does on a week to week basis. Yeah, Yeah. that's what he does is he hits big plays. Mm -hmm. So you have to defend it, and Virginia Tech didn't. Mm -hmm. They just did a poor job defending it.
1: And, and granted, Van Dyke's receivers in most cases were wide open, but he threw very accurate, extremely accurate passes, down the field, not breaking stride the mm-hmm. whole deal. You know, and so as far as Virginia Tech goes, uh, just some things right off the top of my head. I'm, I'm not even looking at my notes. Um, if you had told me going in that uh, Connor Blumrich. Was gonna have two touchdown passes. I mm-hmm. <laughs> said, I'll, "I'll bet you, you know, any amount of money you want to make that that, that Connor Blumrich will have two touchdown passes, and one of them will be to Dwayne Lofton." I just said, "Well, I'll take that bet." That's not happening, you know. So I, I thought that was just fascinating that uh, Blumrich played as much as he did. He had twenty carries. Um, Burmeister had ten, and I thought those guys looked phenomenal. They're thirty
0: carries. They had something like hundred eighty. Yeah. Oh, they did a great job running yeah. the football. Both yeah. of them. Um, yeah. I, it's. Blumberg gave Tech a major spark. Um, mm-hmm. Now that being said, like after those two drives, like it became clear that his knowledge of the passing game just isn't there. And, yeah. In Tech, yeah. well, you you can't just run the ball every single play and win a football game. Like you've got to be able to throw it at some point. And you know, after that one drive where he hit the fourth and six, which is Hell of a play, that but was a, at the, that was the a uh, it was a bro. phenomenal play. But at the same time, that happens what like once out of ten plays. Yeah, you yeah. know, you, you you run that play ten times, that you completed once. And that and that was Lofton that made that. It, catch, it was right? it was Lofton. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so yeah, like triple coverage. I, I I feel like they needed the spark maybe, but at the same time, once they got it, would have been weird pulling Blumberg Brum, at that point. But at some point, Tech needed to be able to pass the football, and, and Burmeister was fourteen of seventeen. Yeah, and he gave them a better chance to to be balanced on mm. offense so mm. I, I didn't really i felt like he should have played the fourth quarter yeah and i also felt like I mean, i'm not saying bummer shouldn't have played because he was having such a good game running yeah. the football you still need to involve him in the running game it would have
2: been odd um, to just pulling at the
0: yeah exactly so to me I, you play the fourth quarter and instead of i mean at one point when bummer got sacked had Sean King in the game pass blocking, and you saw yeah. how that happened. You right. got Blackshear Blackshear didn't have a carry until what seven minutes left in the game? Yeah, was, he had
1: he had two carries, and it was interesting because uh, J C Price was asked after the game, you know, why did why did Blackshear only have a couple of carries? By the way, the tailbacks only had eleven carries right. while the yeah, quarterbacks right. were carrying the ball thirty times. Right. And J C Price was asked about Blackshear, he gave an honest answer. He's like, I don't know, you know. Uh, so so.
0: Gets, uh, Head, your, head coaches don't necessarily make personnel
1: decisions during. the I
0: game. think Justin Fuente was. Yeah, and, and I, that was my worry when when he got fired is that he wouldn't be around the offense anymore for the rest of the season, <laughs> and and they'd go they'd revert back to odd personnel decision making, and that's exactly sure what they did, and, and uh, so I, I don't know what to expect. I, I know that Raheem Black's year over the course of this season. Eleven games overall. I think he's been Virginia Tech's best offensive football player.
1: Mm-hmm. Right, and, and I think you you look up the PFF grades and even backs, right. Ab- yes, absolutely.
0: And he had six touches. <laughs> uh, that he just rushed for a hundred yards last week. You know, he's been a really he's been averaging like seven yards a carry for the last month. I know. He's got six touches. What are you doing? And. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, has many I'm so glad injury. we only have to talk yeah, about so this for t- one more. Tavian
2: has many carries as last yes, year. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think Malachi had
1: four, and then you, you got uh, Malachi had, seven. had seven. seven. He had seven so, for thirty-nine. So that, and Raheem King had two. had two, and King had two. That's where the eleven comes from. Right. Right. So, By the way,
0: I thought Malachi looked good, but but he did look good. He's, He's he a good does, player. He does yeah. Good. Yeah. Um, how can you not give your best football player the ball? it doesn't uh, really matter at this it, point. it doesn't it doesn't so what, but you're right so why are we even talking about the game so here's <laughs> what
1: i do want to talk about about the game but i saw somebody on twitter i can't remember who it was it may have even been dwight vick say i don't know i really enjoyed watching connor Blumick run around out there it was kind of fun I for did. sure yeah yeah it is Jeez, big man. run he's he's such an interesting athlete because he's so fast and rangy mm mm-hmm. He, I absolutely understand uh, Texas A&M's decision to put him at the tight end H-back. Unfortunately, he's not a big guy. No, he's not a no. bulky guy. What sport should that guy be playing? Because he's such a good athlete and so fast and rangy, like Australian rules football or something?
2: Yeah, it's I- – he, he's, he's not a football player
1: that guy's got to fit somewhere because he's just he's just a, a, a he could be like
0: one of those tall center fielders in baseball with yeah. a lot of outfield range yeah, yeah. yeah. you know who can who can throw yeah. with a good arm he can throw <laughs> well, he guys can out candidate. of the plate and third base put him in right field
1: <laughs> just watching him run around out there the hair flowing out of the back of his helmet that was just a blast you know and and he, he loves the game like, yeah he, he really he plays with a lot at of one intensity. point after after getting the first down yeah run oh yeah Colin is a two-yard touchdown. gain. <laughs> and we've got uh, – you know, he had, he had what, a couple of touchdown runs like earlier in, in the season against, yeah. I think, Middle Tennessee yeah. and Richmond. Yeah. And we have a treasure trove of photos of him celebrating his touchdowns.
0: That dude gets fired up and was playing the yeah, game. Yeah, I, I think he's a good athlete. He can really help us uh, in, in some fashion. I also – I don't – I think he can help us more than just being a backup quarterback and getting occasional carries. I, I would like to – Bring in another quarterback in the transfer portal this offseason. I would like for Burmeister to stay and have those guys fight it out. I would like to put, since hopefully we'll have a revamped strength and conditioning staff, pump uh, Blumrick up to about 230 pounds and actually use him in in an H-back type role. I don't know what kind of blocker he is. I assume he has... Decent hands because I mean you're a quarterback these days. You have to have good good hands because yeah, you're yeah. catching snaps. Yeah, right. So, yeah, I, I
1: think I think he can contribute. Yeah, I think um, so. Do you
0: know off the top of your head how many years he has left? He's a redshirt junior. Uh, two years. Two years, I think. Because With COVID. COVID, doesn't count. So right. uh, I think, but I'm not. I'm not positive on that. Well, that's up for the next. Or, time. or no, or no it, it might be one more year after this because uh, Burmeister is also listed as a redshirt junior and he would so he would be a redshirt senior next year. Yeah. Yeah. So I think he he'd have one more year left if he chose it. But neither one of those guys went through senior day even though they're both fifth year players in college yeah. football, I believe. Neither one of them went through senior day, which indicates that they want to play college football next year.
1: All right. Yeah, uh, you know, like I said, that's for the next guy to figure out. So at the quarterback position, you got Burmeister, you got Blumrick, maybe bring somebody from the portal. Mm-hmm. You've got Taj Bullock is currently still here on the roster, Knox Kadem. And uh, Alex Orgy has said that he's coming in January. But you
0: know, I guess I, It's well, all up in the air. I mean, you know, n- none of the commitments have decommitted yet. They're all just kind of sitting around I mean. waiting.
1: Did you see Rashad Purnell's uh, Twitter feed this weekend? What did he say? He is uh, apparently he was visiting Morgantown. There were pictures. Well, I, of him I mean, in, I believe it. Yeah. In full uniform, of course. Yeah, full yeah. WV uniform. Yeah,
0: I mean, they're they're, they're going to try to poach. Um, yeah. People will try to poach, no question. Um, but I don't think signing day is not till December fifteenth, and Virginia Tech's going to have right. a coach in place before then, yeah. I'm sure. So yeah. it's just nothing you can do about it right now. Um, I, I really want to keep Purnell because I think he's the best pure defensive lineman in the state of Virginia, and he's from Highland Springs, and I think you just now, have to is
1: a tackle or an end?
0: He's listed, like, in a lot of ways as, like, a tackle. I think he's an end for Virginia Tech. I, I don't know that he gets big enough it, to play tackle in, in right. college, but I, I think I – I don't think he'd ever be, like, a dynamic pass rushing end, but I, I, I think he's – for what Virginia Tech's looking for, even though we don't know exactly what the next defensive <laughs> staff is going to – who knows, so – but I – I would prefer him at end. Um, I just think he's got a really, he's a really good natural football player. And he comes from one of those programs in the state Highland Springs, where I know their players are going to be disciplined and they're going to be well-prepared and more advanced than, than than, than players at some other schools.
1: Lauren Johnson, you know, I don't want to drill down to this too far, but, but he is one of the better coaches in in the state. He's there. There aren't a lot of, I think he's approaching legendary status. I don't know how many state titles he's won. You know, oh, yeah. of, co- of course, he's got to live a few years. You can't be a legend until you're, you're old enough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's see. A couple other things to touch on about the game. It was great seeing Jalen Jones get his first catch. Oh, and <laughs> it was an, was an unbelievable catch. It was, it was an
0: amazing throw right over the linebacker. He went up and got it and he got decked. His helmet came off and he still came down yeah, with yeah. it. It was one of the best plays of the game.
1: So, um, and then uh, Dwayne Lofton just had, uh, you know, the, we talked about the fourth and sixth catch and. Uh, You know, I was. if you follow me on Twitter, I was tweeting at Chris that those were stud catches (laughs) because it was Jones and Lofton that you asked Fuente about in that preseason podcast, and he said studs. And we finally got to see that in game 11. I mean, I've
0: always believed the ability was there. I I love Jalen Jones coming out of high school. And and he didn't get to play a senior year in high school because he enrolled at Tech early, and Virginia didn't have their season last year until the spring. spring. Um, But, you know, I think he's been physically ready the whole time. I just think Virginia Tech's offense has been so out of whack, so to speak. Um, I, so what, you know what you're afraid of. Like it doesn't even seem like to me like Jaden Payouz even on the football team right now, unless he's hurt and they aren't saying anything because he hasn't played in a month. Yeah. And
2: since the Syracuse, I, right,
0: right. And I, so I've been worried yeah. about him hitting the portal the whole time. Now he is not officially hit the portal because it would have been announced if if he had um he's probably waiting out to see who the next coach is and 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 what they promise him yeah exactly (laughs) and 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 that's the same thing for Jalen jones and dwayne lofton too um you know he was worried about those guys hitting the portal and because i think they're talented players both of them Mm -hmm. all three of them and but and i think we can keep them with the right hire yes Um, lofton who knows he's from texas and the reason he came here was fuente like Fuente coached Lofton's high school coach yeah. when Fuente was at TCU, so that's that connection. Um, but with the other two being in-state kids, I think we can keep them if 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 they like the next hire. Yeah. yeah. All
1: right. So you, I want you guys to help me to fill some things in here, and this is something I wanted to touch on, and that's Jermaine Waller.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm looking at his uh, PFF grades, and they were strong through. Uh, through the first one, two, three, four, five games, through the Notre Dame game,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then he fell off against Pitt. Uh, very, very average grades in about the fifties, and it only shows him as playing forty snaps against Pitt. Now the next
0: weekend against Syracuse, he only played four snaps. Well, remember he got he got hurt, hurt against Pitt, Pitt and, right, and then they tried to play him the first four games or first four plays against, against Syracuse, Syracuse and yeah. took him out. Remember, I went on a huge rant about that. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that and that's the blanks you're out
1: in now, he played uh, 56 snaps against Georgia Tech, and he graded out well, but, you know, that's Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech, sure. And since then, against Boston College, he's uh, his, his 65 snaps, and his coverage grade was decent. His overall grade was a 48. Against Duke, he played 50 snaps. His coverage grade was a 39.9. His overall mm-hmm. grade mm-hmm. was a 43. This is against Duke. Mm-hmm. And the preliminary grade against Miami, 41 snaps out of, I'm sorry, I don't know how many. A 28.8 in coverage mm-hmm. and a 28.2 overall. And he, I did not catch this watching it live. He came up lame. Oh, he did. Late he did. in the game.
0: I, I, oh, he came up. It was the play he got called for pass interference, which yes. I thought was kind of a tough call on him. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, he was, he was, he came up and he was hopping on one foot and he was yep. noticeably uh, limping. So I don't remember, you remember what his injury was after it was hitting? leg. It was leg. Yeah. Okay. And it's possible that it's the same foot injury that he had at the end of twenty nineteen, which right. kept him out most of last mm-hmm. year. And mm-hmm. so it's possible that yet another Virginia Tech football player has some long term injury that nobody can figure out or fix. Yeah. Yeah. So uh
2: he also dropped the pick six in the game too. He did drop a pick six. That was, yeah. Yeah, he was he was there. <laughs> the camera guy didn't get on the air, but yeah. <laughs> so uh
1: yeah, so, you know, like I said, Virginia Tech got got down twenty eight to ten. Um had just how interesting that, that we've talked about the development of the wide receivers and they, they balled
0: out. They had a great game. It's
1: Trey Turner. Was, yeah, Trey
0: yeah. Turner had a great game until he got knocked out of the game. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, I've, I've probably got the details written down here. That they make it 28-13 to 28, 13 going into halftime. Then it's 28-20. Actually, it's 31-13 because Burmester 31, fumbled, 13, then they right. kicked the field goal. yeah. Uh, well, I think it was 28-13 at the half. Yeah, 28-13 half. at the half, and so but, and so really, the Virginia Tech defense held, except for Burmeister fumbling on the twenty, and they converted it, it, it that to a, a field goal ball. to get yes. to and that was a, that
2: was a three and out still.
0: Yeah, still was a three and that's out. right. Yeah. You know,
1: and then they then they gave up the uh, the fifty five yarder to Harley late in the late, game, right. and uh, so I think the other thing that I wanted to talk about was I know that people are they want to talk about the the bad fourth down spot. Yes, I and
2: thought it was
1: pretty horrendous. at what point
2: in the game Progress, what was the score was at
0: that point in the game
2: it was 26 31 it was yeah. right after the last touchdown yeah um we, if we had,
0: if tech had stopped them i forget exactly where the ball it was only like on 38 it was on miami's side of the field right, was the right. so basically it cost virginia tech 40 or 50 yards of field position I see. They would have had the. Oh, mo- that was a. Yeah. They, they would have had the momentum. Tech had just scored back to back touchdowns, and they would have been starting that drive in my on Miami's side yep. of the field. So to the, def- all the momentum. to the defense's credit, they was they did they did continue to stop my. I mean yeah. they they gave Miami the first down,
2: and, and it is three plays that they punted. Right, right. So uh, it is back at the ten. Then yeah. Tech three now. Right. Punted so back.
0: so it's not the the, the Tech defense held yeah. even after that. But Miami, Miami got the punt <laughs> instead of it being a turnover on down, down. So you're talking about a 40 yep. or 50 yard flip yeah. and fill right. position. And yeah. so you, we
1: almost went up in a situation where we could have second guessed JC Price's decision to go for two, right? Because yeah. it was <laughs> 31-26. Yeah. Uh, you know. I, I
0: personally, I second. I don't believe you chase points in the third quarter. Exactly. I wouldn't have done it. Right. But yeah. at the same yeah. time, it's like it's not like JC Price is coaching for his future he's trying to win one game he's yeah. trying to instill confidence and right. things like that well when and, he said
2: know. about it, he said we had the momentum he wanted to make the most of the onside kick yeah yeah and, and,
0: I, and, exactly. and I and i i that's true that's true like like i don't necessarily think jc price would do that on october 2nd in some random game if he was entrenched as a head coach it's yeah. just yeah Right. So, so,
1: you know, sometimes nothing to lose. sometimes you follow your sheet and you make analytical decisions. And I think other times you have to coach to the emotion of your players. Right. Yeah. So, from that standpoint, chasing the points is the right thing to do because well, they had a lot of momentum I, at the time I, to give I, them a I, chance to I, make another It was play.
2: just Blumrick, bad read, or he was told to throw the fade. There are two <laughs> right. wide open guys, Lofton yeah, really, really. and Yeah. Uh, yeah. Con- and, well, and, and you wide don't well, open over the middle.
0: Well, you You don't know exactly what the play is, like, is he allowed to make those throws? Yeah. I mean, we've had those conversations before yeah. earlier, and I don't want to have them again. Uh, the way Tech was dominated on the ground, I think they should, if they were going to go for two, I think they should right. have just run it with Blumberg, yeah. because they were breaking off sweet play, of fake it Right, right. if it doesn't like that. work, that's fine. Um, so, I, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have gone for it personally, but, like, at the same time, it doesn't matter. Mm. <laughs> right. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, not like a, I mean, he, he has nothing to lose.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, um, all right, so I I think I think I want to wrap up the football discussion there. Um I don't really want to get into the coaching search. I think we did that at the beginning of the podcast. I've got written down here in my notes coaching search, but I think we pretty much covered
0: it. We we we've talked about the content that's coming out yeah. and there's no point in covering it today because if you're a TSL pass subscriber, which of course, if you're watching, you're you about should to be, get a lot of. Comments. You're about to have an eight thousand word article later <laughs> today about the coaching search, about <laughs> individual all day coaches and thoughts and <laughs> things like that. So I don't want to take time saying the same thing twice. Yeah, right. So, so. I think we should, but uh, we, we talked about the timing of it earlier, which I think is important. Um, so yeah, I, I have nothing else to say about it.
2: Biggest thing that I learned this week for football before we get away from football is that I think personally that. Running quarterbacks and really the pure dual threat quarterbacks are kind of dying out. And if you look at the most successful teams right now, it's all pure. It's pure passing. Drum C.J. Stroud is, is just launching him down. Of course, he's got three unbelievable receivers at Ohio State. Right. And you got Georgia. J.T. Daniels tearing it up there. And then um, at Bama, yeah. Yeah, that's just a pure passing offense right. now. He's not running either. So I I don't think yes Blumrick running helped Virginia Tech gave him the spark. But I don't think a pure running quarterback anymore is going to win football. Yeah, games. you
0: you have to have some balance in your yeah. offense, and, and you know I, I think he definitely gave us a spark. But I think at the same time you play those that game over again. Yeah, and the fourth and six doesn't get completed, and it, you know there were a the, number of like Trey's yeah. catch was incredible. It, right, right, know, I, right, I right, right, and and you. And you you saw that throughout the entire fourth quarter, he just didn't appear to be comfortable in the passing game. Well, yeah, and which you said is, that. You still right. should have put Burmeister in the fourth. Yeah, I throw. mean, I, I thought Tech would have had a ch- better chance to, to move the football. I, I thought maybe they moved the ball a little bit from an emotional standpoint in the yeah. third quarter with, with Blomrink, like with a spark or whatever. But I think that eventually wears off. And, you know, eventually Miami's like, they're not going to be able to complete any passes. So mm-hmm. let's just load up against the run. So you need somebody w- 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 with more balance in there. Yeah,
1: Virginia Tech had 13 plays for 19 yards in the fourth quarter. Yes. Yeah. So
0: you
2: want uh, a Scott Gless- Glessner fact before we go away?
1: Right. So let's do the Scott Glesner stats <laughs> with Scott Glesner. Is that what it's called?
2: Uh, yeah, somewhere the paper's floating around <laughs> right. in our high-tech graphics. Uh, last time UVA had a winning record versus Virginia Tech it was in 1961. UVA oh, wow. was leading 20 to 21 in the series.
1: Wow. You know, at one point, uh, early in Frank Beamer's tenure, I think the record was 38 to 35. Tech was slightly ahead, mm-hmm. if I'm remembering correctly. And then, of course, the 15 straight
2: just yeah. UVA is never
1: going to catch Tech. Yeah. If they do, I'm not going to be around.
2: <laughs> and then, Virginia Tech's defense did not have a turnover or sack. The last time that happened, 2014, Thursday night, Miami, Maroon Pants blowout. Over oh, 30, oh, the 30 to, six. to 6 game yeah, yeah that where with the, Luton, <laughs> where the scoring was
1: <laughs> kept alive by Mark Leal and freshman Isaiah Ford <laughs> that's right um so let's see I believe that yeah so I made a mistake I said Miami had 201 yards off of four plays and uh then I calculated the remainder of their yards off of Virginia Tech's yardage they actually had 210 yards off of their last 67 plays you know it mm-hmm. doesn't really change the points. Right, yeah, the points. The same. The well,
2: and then Miami also got down into the red zone at the end of the game. Just run and, and, the and then kneeled. Yeah, it Miami had the, the ball 20. last six and a half minutes of the game or something yeah, like
1: yeah. that. All right, so so that's from Scott, huh?
2: Yeah. Oh, and one more. Virginia Tech has 11 games since 1985. That's as far back as he go, by the way. Shout out to him for doing these. I don't know how he does it. Uh, but only 11 games, no sack, no turnover, same game. Tech mm-hmm. is 1 in 10 in those games. Only win twenty seventeen BC,
0: twenty seventeen BC
2: at Bosque College. and that yeah, was a blowout, right? That was the, no, that it was, was like just a se- weird
0: seventeen three or twenty four yeah, three or something. something, something. It was it was like BC's offense was incompetent. Like for some reason we didn't sack them and get a turnover, but they couldn't move. Them. They, they just still run the ball at yeah, the middle. Would. Yeah, right. that was when we hit the RPO to Sean Savoy over the middle for the long touchdown. Mm. If you remember that play. All
2: right, so and that's it. For Scott, that's a, that's, there's a basketball one, but I'll save that for later. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
1: All right, so we're going to take a break now, and when we come back we're going to talk about Virginia Tech men's basketball. We're going to review the last couple of games real quick, and, and really we're going to look ahead because it gets serious now. The Hokies are 5-0, and really only played one decent team, uh, Navy. You know, So uh, we'll talk about that uh, when we get back. And once again, a reminder that the Tech Sideline Podcast is brought to you by the Southeast Regional Training Center why don't you during our three-minute break visit southeastrtc.com and welcome back in episode 210 of the tech sideline podcast so before we left for break i pimped southeastrtc.com and coming back, let me pimp uh, techsideline.com. Uh, we got a, uh, my, my little three to five minute chat the other day at the beginning of the podcast. Uh, I, I think a lot of people took that to heart and visited the site. and We picked up some new subscribers. So uh, um, if you didn't hear that, just I'll keep this version short and sweet. Just head over to techsideline.com where we've been doing this for over 25 Free years. Free students and too. Student subscriptions are free, yes, and uh, if you want to sign up for a monthly subscription, your first month is free, and like I always say, I know you're going to stay with us, you're going to love it, but if at the end of that 30 days, you, you're you not sure, you know, you can cancel at any time and just get the one month free, so try us out. So, next up, we're going to talk Virginia Tech basketball. I said going to the break that the Hokies were 5-0, and oh, uh, ran a couple of stats. Uh, average margin of victory is 28 points Are outscoring... Teams, I think it's seventy six point two to forty eight point two.
2: Five no against the spread.
1: Five and zero against the spread. Nick says. Um, so, with four, here's one. The last two games were victories over Saint Francis and Merrimack. Um, with four minutes left to go in the first half against Saint Francis, Tech led twenty three to twenty two. In the fifty four minutes of basketball since then, so four minutes, second half, and then a full game. Virginia Tech has outscored St. Francis and Merrimack 134 to 76. So um, there That's are times good. this year watching them where I've thought they were. A little out of sync, like most of the game against Radford. Uh, Radford was tough defensively. And tech struggled with it, and that was well. The game.
0: Radford actually held Navy in the 40s the other day. So yeah. Radford yeah. seems to be it's a pretty 47 good defensive. to 33. Yeah. So, yeah. so Radford seems to be a pretty good defensive team.
1: Yeah, and 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 they're a big, strong team. And as, as Mike. Uh, Mike Young almost said Mike Jones. As Mike Young said after the game, he said, "You know, they they got up under our chins and we didn't respond well." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought probably the best stretch of basketball I saw them play, other than against maybe the whole game against Merrimack uh, last night, yesterday. I thought the best stretch was was against Navy. The I first half they, against uh, Navy for sure. Yeah, you know they they really came out and dialed in. But overall, I have zero complaints. They've won every game by twenty. Plus, Yeah. the closest game was a 20-point win over, over Navy. So, you know, you look around college basketball and all kinds of teams go out there and just
0: lose all kinds of games early on. And Virginia Tech's you, not on that list. You're seeing at least one tweet per day from John Rothstein about it's all fun and games till you lose a bye game yeah, or mm-hmm. whatever his tagline is this Syracuse now year. lost a bye. Oh, cor- Cornell dropped 100 on him. Yeah, Colgate. Colgate, yeah, Colgate. A 100, right. 100 on that Syracuse five. zone. Right, exactly. Um, and so. Eight. You're not going unbeaten in basketball, man. It's right. just just the way it is, and uh, I mean, you, basketball is. Yes, it's partly about physical talent, but at the same time, you have one off day, and the other team has a good shooting night. Mm-hmm. You know, you you can well, lose to an inferior team. I
2: was looking at the Radford game. You know, it was close in the first half, and Radford was one for thirteen from three point. Right, right. If they hit half those, they're beating Tech by six entering halftime. Right, right, and uh, you know, and
0: that's just the nature of, of basketball. Now. So you don't want to, like, get caught up in the box score of like it's in some individual game. Yeah. You want to look at the overall stats, the overall trends. And five games into the season, uh, Virginia Tech, I believe, is between number 20 and 25 in the Ken Palm ratings. 23. 23. 23. Yep. And they've got extremely similar rankings uh, in offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency. Um I believe they're second out of all ACC teams in the Kim Palm ratings, which means if the net rankings were out now, they would probably be the second highest ACC team in, in the net. Who's ahead of them?
2: Duke. Duke. So oh, number 10. ten, right? And I'm right. Duke's good, but. Mm. I, it's still, a it's lot of still Duke with a ton yeah. of freshmen. Yeah, exactly.
1: It, it, it's it's the typical thing. Of Virginia Tech's got a lot of guys with a lot of experience. Duke probably has a lot of young guys. Yeah, absolutely. You know. well, well, Duke plays Gonzaga
2: guys. this Friday. That'll be the
0: out real quick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, they're playing a much more experienced team yeah. with, with Gonzaga. Um, so early, early indications are Virginia Tech looks like they're so far they look like they're probably going to be one of the most consistent teams in the ACC this mm-hmm. year. I think. UVA will get better. I know that they've looked rough so far, but they've got a lot of guys who aren't used to playing together. They will get better. On well, Houston, um, who they lost to is really good. is a really good yeah, team. A yeah. so, team, So team. I, th- I think Virginia Tech will either be they'll be somewhere between the fir- the best team and the fifth best team in the ACC this year. Yeah. Uh, you know, and teams, team there's ebb and flow to every basketball season. So don't get caught up in one or two little games here and there. But mm-hmm. you know, I mean, Virginia Tech to me looks like a definite NCAA tournament team. Um, they're they're going to have some chances here in the next few weeks to pick up some uh, quad one wins. Uh, I think they have a chance to win the ACC. Um, obviously, some AC like Carolina could get better. Right now, yeah. Carolina's defense is a mess, Whew. an absolute mess. So go
1: over uh, yeah. those. Carolina lost to Purdue, was it ninety four to eighty yeah, six?
0: Yeah, and yeah. but you know Purdue's a top ten. Sure, and they just yeah, beat yeah. But, 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 the but, next but, night. But 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 it wasn't even. It, I, this was the case. I was looking at the, at the defensive efficiency ratings on Ken Pomeroy's before this weekend, before Syracuse played Tennessee, and before they—excuse me—before North Carolina played Tennessee, and before they played Purdue, and their de- defensive efficiency rating was low, was was bad yeah. before then, and mm-hmm. then they got lit up twice over the weekend. 89-72
2: so, against Tennessee, right? So they're
0: giving up a lot of points. Uh, what date does Virginia Tech play? Carolina, UNC. yeah,
2: they've got them here. I have the schedule. That's room. over. That's right it's around either, New Year's, Right, they, it's like two days after the Duke game. If I'm, I sure. thought a week. It's apart. a week, yeah. Okay. The 29th. Okay,
0: so, 29th. so I wish that was actually flipped to us. I'd rather play earlier. Carolina I could play first. Carolina earlier because they're struggling defensively right now, and I think okay. Tech would light them up. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: So looking, looking at the Merrimack game, uh, um, somebody I, I thought. Somebody on the message board said something pretty sharp. They said, "You know, that's a well Mary Max a well-coached team and a good defensive team." Mm, right. And they run a 2-3 zone. Mm. Uh, so Mike Young got to try some stuff that he's going to have to try later against Syracuse. Syracuse. Which and
0: all of a sudden the Syracuse 2-3 zone seems a little bit vulnerable, doesn't it, when you it, get it looks 100 way. dropped on you. Yeah. So so Colgate. let's drill
1: down into that a little bit. I I tried to watch during the game yesterday who Mike Young was putting in the high post and how they were doing and Chris, did you notice that stuff? Oh, your, it varied. Yeah. I mean, at one point I even saw Some, Storm Murphy there. Like right. Maybe off the sometimes Switch Mutz was
0: there. Yeah, and Gasson was there. Yeah. Um, so you know, it it varies. And uh, Virginia Tech has a number of players that can pass. Like like. Their starting lineup, I mean, uh, everybody in the starting lineup can pass. And mm-hmm. when you bring Gazan off the bench, he can pass. And Darius Maddox, you know, a lot of people thought he was going to be a point guard coming out of high school. So he's coming in and playing the wing. Yeah. If, if, like if he's on the court with like Hunter Couture and Storm Murphy, all, the, all three of those guys have point guard
2: qualities.
1: Mm-hmm. Pop, pop quiz, who leads the Hokies in assists? Nahima
2: No. Or Mutz. Mutz. Okay. Mm-hmm. And rebounds. He's averaging 6.6 in boards. Yeah.
1: And let's go Hokies chance. Yeah, He starts the let's go Hokies chance. <laughs> he did that again game. yesterday. So with so no
0: cheerleaders it. there, he really had to start it out. <laughs> that guy's he, character. Right? 10,
2: 6, and 3. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty darn good. And a steal per game.
1: Mm-hmm. So um, looking at uh, – I've got the season stats up here. Virginia Tech is three-point shooting as good as advertised. So far, 42.5% as a team. Um Let's see. And that, um, if you look at yesterday's game, yesterday's game, they were 11 of 23 from behind the arc, and that included two of seven from, from Hunter Couture, so they were nine of 16. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You right. know, so. Hunter's
0: been. You well, you know he's
1: capable. He lit up maybe. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Let me find him in the season stats. Uh, he's nine of 25, so he's shooting 36% from out there, and you know he's capable of it. And I, and I thought that. Uh, Storm from behind the arc got off to a slow start this year. He is now ten of twenty-two. Yeah, he's out really there. picked it up. Right? He's yeah. eleven points per game now. Yep. Yeah, and Padula's four of six. Uh, so I jokingly told Chris that I'm going to start calling those two uh, Storm Padula <laughs> or Sean Murphy, whichever you prefer. You know, TikTok and, boys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. So just, uh, I just I I guess the question is I see a lot that I like. So let's talk about what is your. Uh, most positive surprise this year i know what it is for me what have you seen this year that surprises you in a good way i would say
0: defense with the caveat that they haven't played a strong offensive team yet so we'll find out about that but right. let's throw that out because for sake of level of competition i would say the development of Gassan and Ojiaka. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, or the, the development of depth in general like Their footwork. look uh, yeah they're, they're, they're I mean just look how much Ojiako's developed since he set foot on this campus and and the same for Gasson I mean that guy's handled for a six nine guy. he does some things that you shouldn't be able to do at six nine. I jokingly um, call
2: him Kim Durant when he's on down. Sure the court. Uh, sure can't.
0: like if, if things break absolutely correctly, it's not outside the realm of possibility that he could play in the NBA one day. I um, think he needs to put on some weight. I, I would agree with that 100%. Yeah. Of course, like everything has to he has to continue to work hard in the weight room, uh, get stronger, but but there is a certain skill set that you're looking for that you could see some flashes in him. Mm-hmm. So his
1: shooting industry is really good. He's 14 to 23 from the field including 2 of 3 from three point range. Mm-hmm. He is 3 of 9 from the line. Yeah, so. and that that but mm, that's, that's a the, that's a mental hurdle. That's the for last front Yeah, for yeah, him. that
0: that's a mental hurdle more than more mm-hmm. than anything else. Uh and I, after watching, you know, our football team the last six years, particularly the last four or so years, like, I have a great appreciation for player development now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, much, I mean, everybody pays player development lip service. Yeah. But, but now now that you see it, like, you see such a contrast between two, the two main mm. sports. You, it really makes you appreciate yes, it more. Uh, so, Tech has really done a great job developing depth. Uh, Darius Maddox is a good basketball. That was going to be player. my biggest um, surprise. You, you know when they were they were having some trouble guarding fourteen yesterday to a certain extent. And he kept drilling those deep shots and they stuck Maddox on him and Maddox shut him down. And yeah. Maddox is a guy who can defend three different positions. He can shoot it, and he's a wing player with with some point guard skills. Yeah. So and Virginia Tech has a lot of players that aren't necessarily point guards, but they got some point guard skills and if you know, the, needed, right. If needed, and, and and they can all shoot it. So it's, I just think it's a really well put together team, and. Even the backups this year are completely suited for Mike Young's system, and well, yeah. I mean, everybody on this team was recruited by Mike Young.
1: Yeah. So uh, Maddox, um, pe- people love Maddox, and and, uh, and full disclosure, I watch him play, and, and and I see to me his shot looks flat, mm-hmm. and and people have told me, yeah, but it goes in. <laughs> yeah. And yes, it does. He's thirteen <laughs> to twenty three on the year,
0: seven of eleven from behind the arc. Mm-hmm. So. To me it's not the most beautiful thing in the it's world, but it's going in, so I'm gonna my Right, right, he no, no, no. You have to consider or he was three of seven last year. And all three of those makes were like in one non conference <laughs> game against a bad it was team. It's like two minutes. Right, <laughs> right. They were all within two minutes. So he's going to face some some taller, lengthier, more athletic teams. So that's when you really look at that flat trajectory of that shot is right. there's a taller, more athletic guy jumping in front of him. So he's gonna have to be to me like he's gonna have to be really wide open to shoot it. But the not, but it's there. You know, he, he can yeah. make it. I think for the most part
1: he does have good shot selection. He, he yes, yeah, he does. So. Yeah.
0: So Nick, what do you think? What what have you seen that's that's
2: positive that that maybe surprised you? That was probably gonna be mine. Was Maddox his jump from last year, and yeah. it, it really stuck out in the St. Francis game. Didn't miss a shot against St. Yeah. Francis, uh, and behind the arc, and you said it's flat. But when you look Seven at Beatties, Beattie's <laughs> shot last year. I, you know, it's hard to get flatter than a shot like that. Yeah. So uh, I. I've I really like Darius. Uh, I think he's also a semi-shot creator. He's going to get there. He's not there quite yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Storm Murphy after two the first two games, I think those jitters of coming out of playing the SoCon mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden you're playing. Oh man, I'm not you're not playing against ACC level competition, but still. You're on an ACC team. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In in, a, in Castle, you know, it's not playing in Wofford anymore. Um, so since he's settled down, he's going to be the most hated player in the ACC. <laughs> he I don't might know. That, oh, come on. That play. Come on. If he played
0: yeah. for somebody else, our fans would hate
2: him. Yeah. Because if we, he played for we, we basically
0: look like Duke now yeah if and our he, fans have always hated duke if
2: he played for uva right. if he was a point guard for UVA, our, our fans would be like oh he's a punk yeah but I, I, don't think, I don't think yes, he acts they like would. a punk oh he i don't act like not really but, splitting but still like the splitting the legs stuff thing, like that, they, they yeah. still wouldn't like they would hate and him. then yeah, well, i mean i think he's electrifying he really is yeah. but i had i've played in a game at multiple pickup games where you do the inbounds pass off the guys back and lay it in that's I, I've always hated that play, and then when Storm <laughs> did it, I was like, I, "I guess I'm supposed to like it," but yeah, I, yeah. I I think it's such a you know backyard, mm. play right there. But hey, it worked. Uh, so I think he's gonna be hated in the ACC. Personally, interesting, uh, especially uh, by UVA. UVA is not gonna like him at all, and he's gonna. Best part about him is he's gonna pick apart the UVA defense. <sighs> all right, splitting so in there.
1: It, it has been interesting and refreshing to see a point guard. <laughs> <clears throat> make the three pointer, <laughs> uh, make the mid range jumper, and actually take it to the basket. He's uh, you, you guys know from my, my days commenting on Wabisa Beattie, My problems with Beattie weren't anything but the fact that I thought he should have driven to the basket more yeah. and been more aggressive offensively. Never yeah. mind the the poor shooting. So.
0: Well, he wasn't confident, right? Yeah. He actually got worse as an offensive player throughout his career just because of confidence, right. yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, I'd, um, I'd agree with that. So, yeah, uh, Storm is. You know, we had really good seats yesterday at mid court and. I noticed how vocal Storm was. Yeah, he yeah. he really talks a lot. Yeah, during during the game, like he he knows what's going on in there. Uh, he's, he's a smart. guy. He's a, he's a guy who, if he wants to, can be a co- can get into coaching one day. Yeah. So
1: so back to Ojiako, he's been my my biggest surprise. Um, uh, and I noticed him being vocal at times. Mm-hmm. You know, especially defensively. I, I think he's really locked in and has figured things out, and now he just needs to put in the time.
0: I, I you know, there's another thing. A couple other comments I want to make here about basketball. Um, one of them I did, is an observation I didn't make personally, but it was somebody on our board who was at the game. He said at one point two games ago, so I guess St. Saint Fra- Saint Francis, at one point Maddox's jersey was untucked, and Mutz came up to him and made him tuck his jersey. So when I, when I talk about things like accountability and things mm-hmm. like that, most people don't recognize that, Little things like that, if you see people doing like that on the court, that means they're holding each other accountable in the weight room and in workouts and things you can't mm-hmm. see. And that's what leads to good player development. I mean, it's little things like that that coaches look at and and, and say, okay, yeah, that, that's the type of guy I want on my team. So I really think Virginia Tech has good leadership on this team, good accountability, uh, which will help them win more games than their talent level might indicate. Um I also think I think you know a guy like Darius Maddox is a good example of you know he got caught up in a numbers game last year with Tech had with Jalen Cohn and Joe Bamasil, you know, a large number of twos and threes on the on yeah. the team he was a guy who fairly highly touted guy but not like a top seventy five kid or anything like that like Bamasil was right yeah Virginia Tech and I, I think this is you could say the same for most programs and I don't think coaches fully grasp this. They have to be very careful that they don't recruit too well. All right. Because if, if, if Virginia – like Mike Young's two highest recruited players as far as rankings go were Jalen Cohn and Joe Bamasil. They both transferred. Like highly touted guys aren't going to be patient with playing time. They're both and playing like,
2: pretty darn well, but th- they
0: are elsewhere, right? So you can't really blame them. Yeah, yeah. Cone I think had 25. Right, right, right. I, I, I think I think 14. The Tech's really the only thing I would change about Tech's roster right now is I wish they had one more wing. Um,
1: even Bamasil could have been that guy.
0: Yeah, but he was never going to stick around and be that guy. Yeah, yeah. Tech be- should have instead of signing a top 75 player like Bamasil. If they would signed a top three hundred guy, like a regular three star recruit who was developable, and he would he wouldn't be one of those guys pushing for early playing time. He'd be patient because he didn't have a lot of other options. And maybe you have that extra wing right now, so you've got to be like everybody wants to see the best recruiting rankings possible, but sometimes that doesn't that's doesn't necessarily help you build the best long term roster. Does that worry you with Rice? I don't. It doesn't worry me as much with Rice because I think Mike we're, Jones. Well, well. Partly, but 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 Rice, uh, he he'll he'll come into the program when uh, you know he m- might not start as a freshman, but you know he would have a chance you know with Couture and Aline both being seniors next year, yeah. and he can play the point guard spot. Like he could potentially play one, two, or three. So there's more roster versatility yeah. with him, in, in my opinion. Um, but I, yeah, I do think you have to. That's something you have to think about as a coach. These don't necessarily go at go get the best player because if he's the best player, but like. He comes in and he's a freshman, and the two players at his position are both sophomores, and he doesn't beat him out as a freshman. He's going to be gone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, you know, to
1: a point, what what made UVA's program really take off and get to national championship level was – if I remember correctly, uh, Kyle Guy and Ty Jerome were both highly touted players,
0: Ky- but they fit and they stayed. Correct. Yeah. Well, the Kyle same. Guy was a McDonald's All-American. Yeah. They signed four top 100 guys, four, basically four top 75 guys in that one class. Yeah. And, and, all, that, but, and But it took them like five years of winning before they did yeah. that.
2: Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So uh, we're already like we're, we're over an hour into this. So let's jump ahead to what, comes ha- what happens Wednesday night. I, I, I don't want to preview Memphis – on Wednesday, because that's an afternoon podcast, and you won't really get to unless you're watching it live. You won't yeah. really get to. So let's do Memphis now. Nick's done some research on them. The Hokies play nine thirty Wednesday night on ESPN two against a Memphis team that will probably slip into the
2: top ten. Yes. So yeah. yeah, Memphis is legit, and everybody talks about you know oh they're just a bunch of freshmen whatever. Uh, by the way, they're they have uh, they've played eleven players in the first four games. Yeah, right. That's pretty. Crazy. Landers Nolly is on their team. Yeah. They have eight players, more than five points per game. Three of them are freshmen. The other five, three juniors, two seniors. Mm -hmm. The starting lineup has only two freshmen in it. One of those Mm -hmm. 17-year-old Imani Bates. And I was telling Mr. Stude over here uh, before the podcast that uh, I had Sports Illustrated from 2017 to 2020. And the one Sports Illustrated magazine that I did not keep is the one with Imani Bates on the cover, and I went through them all yesterday, and I could not trying find, to it. find it. Yeah. But on the cover it says Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, this guy, and after that, that was in, that was in 2018 when he was he's a 15 year old. Right, and after that I started watching him on Ball's Life, and I followed him throughout his whole high school career. Dude is legit. Committed to uh, Michigan State at one point. So he's tall, from Michigan. How tall is he? Is like Did you say he's six ten? Yeah. Around six ten. And what
1: position does he play for? Him?
2: Point guard. Actually. Oh, yeah <laughs> so and, thus and, the magic johnson comparison. and he can he can pass his vision i would say is his best quality is his vision he can shoot a little bit he's averaging 12 points per game um but I, his his best is his vision I mean, he's making no look passes with mm-hmm. ease that are ridiculous and so, so who watch, will defend him watch for the biggest question probably elaine yeah i would
1: guess Alain would defend him but he's still getting up six inches sure now. yeah so that's yeah. gonna be interesting to watch yeah, yeah. So, so, so where's Landers is, fitting in? He is not starting currently, correct?
2: Uh, he is, uh, or he's coming off the bench, but he's still leading. A, he's scoring eight points per game, which is a fourth on, or fifth on the team. Okay, yeah, they're a um, very deep team. They're
0: second in def- adjusted defensive efficiency rating. Yeah, and I think they were fifth last year. So they're
2: a very very strong defensive mm-hmm. team. Now the biggest problem, which is probably going to get them in trouble, and this is why I give Tech the nod of winning by ten plus points. Dang, against them they're averaging 21 and a half turnovers a game. Yes, that's right. Yeah, well, the
0: thing is, they also have a lot more possessions per game than Tech. Like, Tech has half as many turnovers.
2: Oh, they're running gun.
0: Right, they're running gun. They're going to, what do they have on average, 15 more possessions per game than Virginia Tech, probably something like that. So their style of play means they're going to have more more turnovers. They're just going to run on you and gas you. Well, they're going to try to. Yeah. Uh, Generally, I think it's easier to slow a team down than it is to speed a team up. Like, Mm -hmm. like. Memphis will try to speed Virginia Tech up, but that's more difficult than Virginia Tech trying to slow Memphis
2: down. Well, and and I, I Tech think also has the capability of speeding it up somewhat. Yeah, um
0: I mean to a certain extent, but you don't want to get in a try
2: transition game against be Memphis. Careful, like, like yeah.
0: the like Mike Young does not crash the boards. It's not his philosophy. He Offensively, wants you mean? Yes, that's right. what I mean. Like uh he wants to play a half-court basketball game. He doesn't yeah. want to turn it out, and so like Virginia, Virginia Tech's not going to be sending you know their power forwards and small forwards and, and everybody to get offensive rebounds in any game, much less this game. <laughs> much yeah. less For, like, like 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 right. like he wants this game to be as slow-paced
2: as possible. Yeah. yeah. Now they also have a big center uh, freshman, Jalen Duran. Duran Duran. What size know. is he? Uh, he is a big boy. Uh, he is 250, 6'11". Oh, you know, so he's only he sli- only
0: slightly bigger than their point than guard. Than their yeah. point guard. <laughs> now, Iman-
2: Imani's very slight. He's skinny. He's he's Kevin Durant. Everybody says he's sure. next Kevin Durant. He is yeah. built very skinny. But Jalen Durant's averaging 15 points per game and 10.8, so basically 11 yeah, rebounds. Yeah, 15-11. So, cabby has got to make
1: sure
0: he doesn't get in foul trouble. Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: Um, yeah.
1: It'll be interesting to see uh, Ojiako get a few, mi- few minutes against him. Yeah. Uh, do you wonder if and this may be stretching it a bit, if Mike Young will possibly try to put Justin Mutz against Imani Bates. That's what I
2: was wondering too. Because Mutz is he's he's movable and he can he can go east to west.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, so so they turn it over a lot. Um they're they're a big team, very good defensive team. Yeah. What else can you tell us about them as far as do they shoot the three well? You know, what have what have you done research on that kind of For
2: stuff? For three point wise, they're 38% from behind Percent. the arc. They shoot a lot. Uh Amani has attempted 24 threes. No one else has attempted over 13. Mm-hmm. And they've only have three other guys that have attempted over 10 threes. But Tuckle
0: tackle packet and so Memphis will have an opportunity to make three pointers. Against yeah. Tech. Okay. Because um, you don't want to give up inside. If they have one of those games where they're forty-five or fifty percent, then they're probably going to win. Yeah. So but,
1: listen, Tech is uh, Tech opponents uh, from behind the three-point line are twenty of hundred and, and fourteen. Correct. Memphis is a lot better than those opponents.
0: Well, and yeah, uh, you know, right. but but Tech's defense
2: is good. It is good. And here's another crazy thing. Their free throw percentage, sixty-five percent as a team. Right. That's pretty poor. Virginia well, Tech is seventy four percent. Which is and sometimes it's all about what player you're getting,
0: which players you're getting to the right. line. Yeah. Um
2: Amani's um, only sixty four percent. He is shot for. Interesting. Yeah.
0: But this is for, for tech, man. It's, it's a, a big it, game.
2: It's a first chance for a quad one win. It's yeah. on the Bright Lights, ESPN. Everybody watches the NIT Classic. Yeah.
1: And it's also their first game against a, a really big, really athletic team. Yep. So, an ACC-like team. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and so it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. And, and we've also talked about the fact that it's in the Barclays Center, which is where the ACC tournament is this year. So I think it's great that Tech's getting an opportunity to – because I don't think any of their players have played up there, right? No, Mike Young said he's never coached up there. All right, so this is great. It'll get them a little experience. And in what should be a pretty good atmosphere, I don't know what the crowds are going to be like.
2: You know, um, The Memphis got a pretty big following. Yeah, yeah Memphis, the Memphis basketball. It's more of a ball. Penny Hardaway following than anything else. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Okay. Um, they also have a guard, a shooting guard, who's 7 for 10 three-pointers, Tyler Harris. Uh, he's uh, he's not averaging a ton. Uh, he's also eight points per game, but yeah, we'll he's see 7 for 10 from behind the arc. It'll be interesting to see if,
0: if Penny Hardaway narrows his rotation as they take a step up in competition. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Now, Memphis isn't exactly blowing teams out, teams that they should be blowing out either. I mean, they um, they beat St. Louis and the Billkins, by 16. They only beat Western Kentucky, who was 1-2 entering yesterday, uh, by 12. Uh, and then they also only beat Tennessee Tech by 24. but you know, <laughs> Only by Tennessee, 24. But Tennessee Tech uh, for a team that has massive – Expectations for this Memphis team has ridiculous expectations. Yeah. I'm they're not exactly, you know, taking everybody to the woodshed that they should be. Yeah, the, the
0: initial impression of Memphis for
2: me personally is they're not
0: quite the the sum is less than the the parts in you know, uh, coaching. But but again they have a chance
2: to end that narrative this year. Yep. They are a very, very talented team. They have a too. pretty darn good uh schedule ahead of them too. They got Alabama, Tennessee, at Georgia, and, yeah, you'll find uh, out about them within the next four weeks or so. You'll find out a lot
1: about Memphis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's uh, just it's going to be an interesting contrast of styles,
0: you know, of, of, yeah. of types of athletes. And, and it's gonna, it's a great non-conference game because my guess is Virginia Tech jumps into the top twenty-five this week yes. in the rankings, yep. Yep. and you know Memphis will be top
1: ten. So can,
2: ESPN can hype the heck out of it yeah. for the next two days.
1: Yeah. All right, so, again, that's 9.30 Wednesday night on ESPN2. I believe yeah. that David Cunningham is slated to have a full re- preview
2: yeah. of I the game. I, guess. For us. I think
1: he's talking about writing a preview. David's I hope been so. working really hard. Yeah, yeah, it
2: was. By the way, Memphis also in the Kempom uh, is sitting at number 16. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, And I I also wanted to say, say, Tech wins Memphis, beats Memphis. If they lose, they'll most likely play Iowa State. If they win, they'll play Xavier. And right. Or, again most likely and xavier xavier's xavier's 32 in the Kempom and right. just knocked off ohio state at home that's right and they've got two big big boys down low like right. seven footer big boys yeah Xavier's all ball. generally a big team
1: yeah. man it's a this is awesome it's getting serious so yeah.
2: uh and that's very, back-to-back nights too or no friday so it's friday Wednesday friday yeah.
1: all right so let's wrap it up what have you got for us from the uh, youtube chat anything
2: well, I do want to mention my Scott Glessner basketball fact. Mm. So, this is the first time ever that Tech basketball has won the first five games by 20-plus points. First time
1: ever. Mm-hmm.
2: Virginia Tech football did it back in 2001. I remember that. Uh, and who was the team that they lost to the end that streak? Um, 2001. Yep.
1: Yeah, yeah, that would be Syracuse.
2: Well, they only beat Boston College the week before by 14, but... So that kind of ended that streak, but then, yeah, Syracuse ended and derailed that rest of that season. Uh, Ironically, it is UVA week, um, and Blumrick, you said you want him to be utilized as a football player on the team next year. Could you see him? There is the saber position at UVA, (laughs) which Keontae uh, Thompson, number 99, is playing, and they just use him basically as whatever it is. Uh, could you see him? bluntly yeah. turn into that tight yeah, I end, mean, running back, assuming he, receiver.
0: Assuming he can catch the football, yeah. And we have no idea what kind of blocker he would be, but uh, you know, I would like to see him add ten or fifteen pounds, right, for, for a role like that. And you know, so two fifteen
1: is that right? Yeah, yeah.
0: And so some of it like depends on the next coaches who the next coach is and their system and things like that. But I mean, I've seen enough of, of him where I feel like he can help us more, maybe at another position that he can just getting, you know wildcat snaps because i just i don't think he's gifted enough in the passing game to, to where you really want to play him at quarterback very much because when he's in like he's five of 12 passing one of those was a drop but you, you just see tech was not anywhere near the threat through the air on the whole True. Sure. um so if he has to play quarterback next year i i, I would pref- that, that's not a good sign but i think he can help us somewhere else in certain ways yeah well, I hope the guy plays because, like I said, I love watching. Him play.
2: <laughs> no doubt, Goldilocks, uh, with Flint Day out, Carlson was he marginalized at all this week, and will he I, be marginalized against UVA? I have no idea, and I
1: have no <laughs> idea. I, I don't know that. I don't know that JC's really mucking over at that side of the ball very much. I don't think I really he not Yeah, I just, you know the the personnel decisions were strange. The the fact that Blummerck round up with 20, 20 rushes, it, it was all just kind of
0: weird. I don't get me wrong. I, I enjoyed watching most of it. Yeah, God, it was, you know you know who had twenty carries in a game recently. And then Hooker against Alabama. That poor dude was probably sore the next oh, day. Man. Yeah. Yeah. So by the way, that's three games this year of twenty plus carries for Hendon Hooker, right, at Tennessee. Man. So like other teams do this too, unless yeah. they're the absolute elite teams. Yeah. yeah.
2: Again, like I said, yeah. Again, you're not going to win a national championship unless you have a big time yeah. passer. You got to be able to throw the ball. That's the obvious thing. Um, it seems that, which is weird, that more in the second half of the season lost more games due to the defense. Instead of the offense, right? What is the quick fix to that? Oh, I just think uh,
0: with well, there's no quick possibly two there, games. There's, right. there's no quick fix. It's uh, I mean, I just think guys are more likely to be mentally checked out now. And some of them, like Waller, knows he's not coming back, and for all we know, he's hurt anyway. Um, Jordan Williams, who I thought, except for like one one tackle one lack of tackle on the goal line was okay the other night, but he knows he's not coming back. And they don't know who their coach is going to be. They don't know whether they're going to hit the portal or not. I mean, it's yeah. just they're unlikely to be mentally dialed in under those circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just I don't think that's – it'll if we beat UVA it'll be because we outscore UVA cuz yeah. UVA's de- defense <laughs> is bad yeah
1: yeah and we'll we'll have a full preview of that on Wednesday that'll probably yeah. take up the bulk of the show and to,
0: and to be honest i don't really have a lot of thoughts about this this anymore i mean i want to beat UVA but like i'm much more interested in knowing who the next head coach is going to be and i'm much more interested in knowing who the strength and conditioning coach is going to be and who the assistant coaches are going to be and all mm-hmm. that like i don't have my mind like Watching the Tech Miami game over the weekend was like the fourth most important thing I did all weekend. I thought it was
1: you know like I said I just kind of kicked back and enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. Some of the weird stuff that was going on. Yeah, um, I know. That, I know other made people. for good
2: football on TV. Sure. It, it did. I thought Barstool it was it. highlighted it, it really as their game of the week. They were because they've all bet the money line. That Tech would. after the games were played. No, during in the game and during the game. Yeah, yeah. They, and they were highlighting it big time. They were all watching it live, tweeting tons of videos about it. So it yeah. got. Pretty recognized, pretty well for a good game.
1: Yeah. Uh, so lost my train of thought, but I think any anything else from the uh, YouTube chat.
2: Quick answer: Would you prefer a uh, or? I mean, I don't really agree with this question, uh, but a quick winning coach or player development, Mike Young type hire. Oh, I mean, because they said a buzz type quick winning games. I don't hire, think there's specific. I don't really know that there's a win. Buzz Williams
0: out there. I yeah. mean, Mike Young won faster than Buzz Williams. Did. Yeah, yeah, I, thought, um, yeah. I agree. Uh, I mean, I want somebody I that really secures that. our program, that gives us a good, secure program. That that even when you know when he retires or takes another job or whatever, that the program is stabilized for for the next coach. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, I mean, I just I want the the best coach Tech can get. I I, I just I think there's. I have a complete disagreement with most people with regards to what constitutes good recruiting. Yeah. Justin Fuente assigned a top twenty five class in four of his six years. With the exception of the twenty twenty class, Justin Fuente's recruiting classes on paper in terms of rankings were the exact same as Frank Beamer's recruiting classes. Mm-hmm. I just think that's where Virginia Tech's gonna recruit as a school. Yeah. So give me the best player development coach you can get in the best player development staff you can get. And, I yes, recruiting is important. I want them to value relationships. I want them to understand how to get the best players, not necessarily how to get the highest ranked players. Yeah. You know, the best players for Virginia Tech and things like that. Um,
2: like the, the,
0: the, 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 the win now stuff is just like, this is – it's not like the ACC is – A dominant league. Kenny Pickett's going to be gone next year. Duke stinks. Uh, I mean, UVA, I mean, Armstrong will be back, but are they going to be able to play defense? Uh, You know, you pick up like a quarterback and, and, and a safety or something in the transfer portal, and you have a good year in the weight room, which Tech hasn't had in, you know, half a decade now. And, uh, you could be a lot better next year, potentially. You yeah, know, I mean, right. de- depending on transfer portals and injuries, because everybody's got to deal with the transfer portal. So, you know, I, I don't. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, Tech might go four and eight next year, but they also might go eight and four. It's just we don't have no idea what the roster's going to mm-hmm. look like. So, give me the best football coach. I don't care whether Tech wins. Ne- like, don't sacrifice four years from now to try to get the guy who you think can win next year. Yeah. Um, Just, just the the guy who understands player development and building a program.
1: There are a lot of ways to measure progress in a in a process like this, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't mean so. It doesn't mean this guy will come in. So, so Virginia Tech early in Fuentes' tenure and in most of Frank's tenure was signing like six to eight four star players a year.
0: Uh, Well, even like some of Frank's years, it was only like two. Yeah, I would say generally two to seven. Ranges. Yeah, and
1: but that's like not happening these days. And I don't expect that to happen right out of the gate uh, with a they've new got coach. two or three this year, right? Uh well two. I'm, I'm talking about the last two classes. There have only been a couple. There was Alec Bryant and DJ yeah. Harvey. Right. And right. like in like forty some forty five players yeah. son. That doesn't mean I'm expecting a new guy. Even if he's a good recruiter, I'm not expecting him to come in and sign 10 four stars. Um, Well, not 10, no. Right. Uh, It takes time to build the relationships.
0: uh, Well, not if you hire somebody who already has pre existing relationships, which I think is a big part of this hire. I mean, I don't like people are throwing names out there. Like, I've included Tom Herman, right? But Mm -hmm. I don't think. I think Witt is looking for a guy who already has pre-existing Herman regional not ties. Herman hit the ground running recruiting de- in Depending de- 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 on what staff he hired and everything okay, like that. Uh, but, but I mean, I think you want guys. I think Witt is looking at a guy with regional ties to well, Virginia Tech's that. footprint. Right. Yeah, he said that. From Maryland down to Georgia. Guys with ties, recruiting ties in that area. And they're going to come in, and it's not going to take them a while to learn the landscape um, like like it took Fuente. Yeah. Um, they're going to know immediately uh, about what they're dealing with up and down the, the the eastern seaboard of of the U.S. and the southeast and the mid-Atlantic and all of that. Um, so I, I think there's some names that are people that people are throwing out there that I, I don't think are realistic because I I do think that's something that Babcock is going to value quite a, quite a bit in in this hire. Um, so I do think Virginia Tech has a chance to. I mean, you saw how much better Tech's recruiting got this past year once. They got the wrong, some wrong assistance off the staff, and and got you know Lechtenberg elevated, and, and Ryan, Smith Ryan Smith on the staff, and, mm-hmm. and Jack Tyler on the staff, and accompanied those good, better recruiters with a much improved facilities, with yeah. a new dorm, a student athlete performance center, a weight room. And Now you can actually coaching. show off the new dorm exactly, as exactly. To just showing pictures. exactly. So I, I I do think if you hire staff with regional ties, with Virginia Tech's upgraded facilities, um, I think Virginia Tech will be able to recruit well. Now I think there there are certain types in certain sectors of the state because of of, <laughs> of of certain certain things that are going on there between them and and one program that happens to be in a state that's north of south carolina and south of virginia i don't think you're going to break down that wall anytime soon but uh uh i, I yes I, I do think virginia tech's going to be able to recruit well but again my definition of recruiting well is different than, than most people right
1: uh well Yes. All right. So very good. So we've kind of pimped the uh, um, uh, content that's coming up this week. So with that said, I'm going to wrap this one up. Thank you very much for watching and or listening. Oh, by the way, the last podcast was kind of interesting. The one we did after Fuente got let go. It uh, did, uh, I think, 5,400 audio downloads and 5,200 views on YouTube. And that's the first time that YouTube has gotten... That close to, to audio. the audio. So mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting, and I have no idea why that was. Um, <laughs> so maybe, maybe Malcolm is somehow responsible for that in some way that I don't understand. So <laughs> anyway, appreciate you <laughs> listening and watching, and uh, enjoy your week, Hokies. And we're looking forward to uh, Memphis on uh, Wednesday night, and we'll see you on Wednesday for the uh, next Tech Sideline podcast.